Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. There was a time when Moses didn't know what to do. A problem came up that there was no scriptural answer for, and he took the problem, which was a young boy that had cursed and blasphemed God to the congregation and put him in a cell till he knew what to do. You need to have a place you can stick your problems into to when you finally have the mind of the Lord. Let's go to the Word of God together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. This is day number two of a two-part series on waiting on the mind of the Lord. We're talking about guidance. Yesterday, we covered the fact that guidance comes two major ways in the New Testament. Number one, through the Word of God, He, the Holy Spirit, will lead you and guide you into all truth. And so the purpose, main purpose of the Holy Spirit is to lead you as far as guidance into the Word of God. But then he went on to say, and then he will show you things to come. There's truth and things. Things are things outside the Word of God, but still line up with what's in the Word of God. The Word of God is general guidance to everybody. And I remember, you know, I was waiting on, on the Lord to show me what I was supposed to do. And all he said was to me when I was a junior at Oklahoma State University, he said, you're going to be a teacher in the body of Christ. Well, that immediately brought direction into my life. But that's a scripture that can talk to anybody. I mean, millions of people are called to be teachers in the body of Christ. And that could be a teacher within a church, Sunday school, or else a full-time teacher, you know, traveling or being at a Bible school or a pastor of a church, pastor teachers. So again, that, that just was general guidance. But what specifically I was supposed to do didn't come till later, and that came in stages. And the Lord showed me this and showed me that, but that's things outside the Word of God. The Word of God is general guidance for everybody, but then the things to come is specific guidance just for you. Once you find out the general call of God, how specific, where are you supposed to go, what church you're supposed to be at, what town do you live in, which side of town do you live in, which house is right for you. The Holy Spirit can get so specific, but what I found out is general guidance can usually come most anytime, but specific guidance often has to be waited on. And that's what we're talking about, waiting on the mind of the Lord. And so uh, this is what we're going to take up. In fact, if you want to turn to Leviticus chapter 24, we're going to take a look at verses 10 through 12, a story that's presented in the Word of God and how that Moses had to wait for the timing of the Lord to hear what the Lord had to say because something came up that wasn't recorded in the Word of God. While you're finding that passage of Scripture, let me again say to those of you who support me financially and by your prayers and by your, you know, uh, just standing in faith with me, thank you so much for doing so. Many of you have been with me for years, some have been with me for months, some have been with me for a few weeks, and I thank all of you because you're just all part of a great team. And so this is what, I, again, I thank God for. If you have known, in fact, I believe some of you have known for some time, I'm supposed to be a supporter. I'm supposed to be a partner with Pastor Bob. But you've set these lofty limits and you say, well, you know, I don't know, I'm sure people give a lot of money. Listen, I'm not asking for a specific amount. It is not equal giving, it's equal sacrifice. And, you know, $15 for you might, you know, might be just as easy for you to give 15 as it is for somebody else to give 150 and for somebody else to give $1,000, you know, a month. And you know what? Whatever you feel led in your heart, the Lord will lead you and guide you. And then after that, you can begin to add to it because God will prosper you when you give out of the proper motive. And that's because you love God and you love people. And if you really identify with this ministry, some of you already know you're supposed to, but you're waiting for that magic day to come. Well, don't let that magic day come and go. It's not necessarily, you need to even hear from the Lord on this. Just give as you purpose in your heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. 
This isn't your tithes, that belongs to the church. But above the tithe comes the offering. And in the offerings, just give as you feel led to give. And so again, I would appreciate it. Go to bobyandian.com. There you'll find a place on our website where you can become a partner with me. And again, I thank you ahead of time for that. In Leviticus chapter 24, God had just given Moses instruction concerning the 10 commandments. He got the first tablets and came down. And when he came down, here's what was recorded on there, just to give you a few things, how to treat your servants, uh, how to avoid violence, uh, how to treat animals, how to treat property, marriage, how to look at the poor, how to uh, work with the Sabbath days, the lampstand, the showbread, the seven feast, and on and on and on. There were things recorded in those first tablets brought down from the mountain and Moses had come. But one day Moses faced a problem that had no written answer. Now I know what some of you are thinking, but why would the Lord give him something but not included on what this was he was going to face? Is because God doesn't always do that. Let me ask you a question. You ever faced a problem there wasn't a scripture for? I have. There's times things come my way and I go, whoa, wait a minute. I mean, I can think of some general things from the Bible, but nothing specific. You know, our church went through a lawsuit one time. I could not find a chapter on, thus saith the Lord, here's what to do in the midst of a lawsuit. I knew to trust God. I knew to just put my faith in him. I knew to cast my burdens on the Lord, but what I was supposed to do, which attorneys I was supposed to go to, how I was supposed to handle myself during this time, I didn't know what to do. And so it took some time before I actually heard the voice of the Lord and the ministry of the Lord, because when this thing came at me, I had no written scripture to turn to. I had to wait on the mind of the Lord. Now there's some things my natural mind told me I could do and should do, which of course lined up with the general direction of God. And also just being a naturally concerned human being, especially a born again, spirit filled human being as to what I should do and how I should treat those that were suing us. So again, it took some time. There's been other things in my life that come across my path. There was no scripture to turn to. What are you supposed to do? Fall apart, scream, yell, go to the floor, kick your feet, you know, throw a temper tantrum. I felt like doing that on some days, but you know what? I just didn't do it. I gritted my teeth, grabbed my patience and said, no, God will speak at the right time. And you know what? He did. Seldom early, never late. So Leviticus 24 tells us that after Moses came down from the mountain, poop, he's faced with a problem. Where do I turn? There was no answer. He had to wait on the mind of the Lord. That's what we're calling this particular series of guidance on waiting the mind of the Lord. So here it says in Leviticus 24 verses 10 through 12, the son of a Jewish woman whose father was an Egyptian went out among the children of Israel, this boy did, and this son of the Jewish woman and a man of Israel fought with each other in the camp. And the Jewish woman's son blasphemed the Lord's name and cursed. And they brought him to Moses. His mother's name was Shelemeth, the daughter of Dibri of the tribe of Dan. And they put him, that's a little boy, in custody. They put him in a jail cell until the mind of the Lord might be made known to them. The mind of the Lord came to Moses, but they were all those that were in leadership, those who headed up the tribes of Israel, did not know to do what with this boy, what to do with him. But what he had done was he blasphemed God cursed the name of the Lord and get in his anger, let this come out. And they didn't know what to do about it. You say, well, that's part we probably should have been left up to his mother. They didn't know that for sure. He did it in front of a whole group of people. All these people witnessed it and what to do from this point on, because what happened to this boy would send a message to all those who saw it on that day. It looked rather complicated, but what were they supposed to do? So again, this event happened of which no law had been recorded. No law had been given on 
the first tablets brought down from the mountain. And this young boy fought a Jewish man in the, in the congregation in front of everybody, blasphemed God and cursed. Apparently this boy lived with a single mother. Again, this is brought out. And little is said about his father. His father was an Egyptian. So what it might be, the father might have remained in Egypt, just basically said, I'm divorcing you. You go with the kid. I don't want to go out there in the, in the midst of the desert. Although the bankruptcy of the Egyptian empire has happened because of the, of the Jews. And although this has all happened, I'm going to stay here because I am a Egyptian. I don't trust your God, don't know your God. And so he basically might have separated from there. The boy might have been born out of wedlock. We don't. No, it just simply said his father was an Egyptian. So this woman might have been owned by an Egyptian slave master and he had sex with her. And so this boy was born out of it, half Egyptian and half Jewish. Their mother might have again, again been a slave to this man who birthed the child through her. But their father might have come out of Egypt with the mixed multitude of believing Gentiles. She might have still been with him. But there was this great body of people that came out of Egypt in Exodus 12, 38, called a mixed multitude. And this mixed multitude was of all different types of backgrounds because it wasn't just physical Jews that came out of Israel. It was believers. It wasn't just physical Jews that came out of Egypt. It was also believers of different nationalities who, because of the ten plagues or because of the God of the Jews had listened and been saved during that time and cooperated with them in the time of the Passover lamb and walked with them through the uh, Red Sea, come out on the other side, and this mixed multitude was there. Eventually, this is where Moses got his second wife, and there he again married a woman of Ethiopia. So his first wife had deserted him. He left her and because of the ministry and now he was found himself single in the desert and then married this woman. But because she was from Ethiopia, she came out with this mixed multitude, but she was a believer. So again, we find this, but we don't know about this. We don't know much about his background. The Bible just gives us some general things about it. So Moses was placed in a position with a young boy who blasphemed the Lord, was rebellious and no law had been given regarding his actions. You know what's interesting? Moses put this boy in a jail cell until he knew what to do with that. You know what? We all need a place. We could call it a cell or whatever, but we all need a place that whenever we face a problem that there is no seeming answer for it at the moment, we're gonna have to wait on the mind of the Lord. We need to stick that thing in there until we know what to do with it. Don't pull it out once in a while and say, man, pressure, time, what am I supposed to do? And Moses was probably highly pressured to make a decision during that time. Again, we all need a place to put our problems and lock them away when we don't have an answer for them now. And don't let that thing out until you know the mind of the Lord. Throughout the word of God, there was times when people had to wait on the mind of the Lord. There was a time when Elijah was uh, running from the king and running from the queen and all that uh, back there in those days. And the Lord told him where to go to lock himself away. And so he went away to a mountaintop. There's where he stayed. And the uh, the uh, ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, bread and flesh in the evening. There was a stream that ran through there, a water stream. And this is how God took care of him for quite a long time. We don't know exactly how long it was, but there came a day when all of a sudden it said the brook dried up. It didn't say the brook was drying up, it dried up. And I mean, there was nothing there, but the ravens were still coming over with some food probably, but there was nothing to drink. He didn't get upset, jump up to the feet and say, my goodness, I just need to find something. I need to solve my problem. No, he didn't solve his problem by taking himself to that mountaintop. No, he took himself to that mountaintop when the Lord spoke to him and he knew something for sure. I do not move till the Lord speaks to me. I will not get ahead of the Lord. And when he speaks, I won't wait too long and get behind the Lord. 
but I'm not gonna do a thing until the Lord spoke. And then one day the Lord said, okay, now it's time to go. And I prepared a woman, a widow to take care of you. And he went there. And again, he was there till the mind of the Lord told him he was supposed to go back to the nation of Israel and stand before the king and to tell him what was gonna happen because of their rejection of the Lord. Again, this was a prophet. You may not be a prophet, but you know what? God cares for you just the same. It'll come to pass in the last days, we are told in the Old Testament. And it'll come to pass in the last days, I'll pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Didn't say they were called into the ministry. Didn't say they were pastors or evangelists or whatever, but I'll speak to your children this way. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. And he didn't make any distinction in age. He said, your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall have visions. In that day on my on my handmaidens and on my servants and the handmaidens and servants just worked around the house. This was low income. This was entry level positions. But he said, I'll speak to them. It doesn't matter what their position is. Doesn't matter what their age is. Doesn't matter if they're male or female. I'm going to speak to them. And that means all of us. So if it happened here to Moses and it happened again in the Old Testament to Elijah, it can happen to you. There comes a time when you put your problems into a cell and wait on them and God will speak to you at the right time. See you right after the break. Christians often ask, how can I know the voice of the Lord? Or how do I get his guidance? Pastor Bob Yandian's series, Guidance, will help set you on the right path to hearing from God and knowing what comes from him and what doesn't. We often make the mistake of wanting God to lead us by wonders and outward signs, when the vast majority of his guidance actually comes through the word of God and the still small voice of the Holy Spirit. We must come to understand that we do not have the ability to guide ourselves, just as we do not have the ability to save ourselves or heal ourselves. Guidance explores the sevenfold ministry of the Holy Spirit and examines in detail the two ways God leads his children. To order the Guidance series, visit our website at bobyendian.com. This newly revised and expanded handbook is packed with biblical wisdom and practical guidance from the pastoral trenches. It will help to equip and encourage you in your ministry. Bobby Endian, a veteran pastor of more than 30 years, provides answers to common questions relating to your everyday pastoral duties and personal life. Bob covers topics such as the First Pastors Conference in Acts 20, Passion versus Calling, Daily Schedules, Living a Balanced Life, Wolves after your sheep, the glorious church. Pastors need pastors. Whose flock do you pastor? Spiritual workaholics. Family before ministry. The pastor's heart and the bond of peace. Bob will help you apply timeless biblical wisdom to the issues and dynamics of today's pastoral ministry. To order, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. My son Rob was a uh, going to Oklahoma University, and uh, during his uh, junior year, about coming up to his junior year, all of a sudden he was just frustrated inside. What he was taking at the school didn't interest him. He was making good grades, but man, he was just so frustrated, didn't what he was supposed to do, and came home 
My son came home halfway through the year at semester break and decided he was going to just drop out of that school and kept saying, he tells, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. I think maybe I'll just change colleges, change universities, whatever. And anyway, he was so frustrated. My wife and I knew, Loretta and I knew he was supposed to be at OU. We had had that leading from the beginning. He had it. And at first when he went there, he was happy, but all of a sudden he got to a point he didn't know what he was supposed to do. Nothing seemed to make sense inside of himself. And he was frustrated, upset. And then one one day, as he was home at that time, he had already pulled out of the school and dropped himself out of, you know, the campus uh, stay where he was staying on campus. And he had he literally he dropped out of school and and dropped out of the place he was staying. And he was driving home one day. And one night, as he was getting ready to leave and get off the highway and come to our house, as he got to that exit on the highway, the Lord spoke to him and said, "You're supposed to take philosophy." That's all he said. He said, "But the greatest peace came on him. The mind of the Lord came." And he got home and said, I'm supposed to take philosophy. He was just like, he was elated. God has spoken to him. But my next thought was in his too. Wait a minute, I've already pulled out of school. My room might already be taken on campus because this had been a few days after he'd done this. But you know what he did? And then my next thought was to, well, have we wasted a lot of classes? Will this new co- uh, this new area is going to go into, will it kind of mesh with what he was taking? You know what happened? Everything was perfect. Everything. He called back to the school, got re-enrolled immediately, called back, got his room back. And next of all, when he got there, he found that every credit he had what could be applied to this one. The, the, the things just lined up with each other. And he ended up graduating early from college and loved what the courses he was taking. I don't particularly like it, but I mean, he did. This was, this was his life. But the Lord spoke at the last minute. What I'm saying is this is what happened with Moses. Moses was facing the same pressure, only stronger than that. This young boy that had exploded against a a, a Jewish man in the middle of the camp and and cursed and rebuked and and got angry in front of everybody. And now Moses didn't know what to do with him. So he stuck him in a cell until he had the mind of the Lord. Let me show you the pressure he must have been going through at that time. The little boy was inside of a cell, probably looking out of the cell every day. And every time Moses walked by, that little boy said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I just exploded, got mad at the moment. Can I get out of here? And I'm sure that natural pressure on Moses must have been, well, that makes sense. He's apologized for what he's done. No, I'm going to wait on the mind of the Lord. His mother would come by and see him and go to Moses and say, my son, my son's in a jail cell. What are you going to do? She said that he wants out of there. I'm his mother. I've seen him do this before in small things. But you know what? He did it in front of a lot of people. Moses, I'm sorry. He's sorry. Why won't you open up the door and just forget this thing? Announce to the people we've forgiven him. But Moses... Moses wouldn't do that. He wanted to wait on the mind of the Lord. The elders must have come to him and said, Moses, parents everywhere are asking about this thing and asking us and those in our tribes are coming to us. Moses, let's have a meeting of the elders and let's just decide what we're going to do. Do we have to hear from God? Why can't we? We got brains. We've got leadership in ourselves. We've done things before. Why can't we just make up something about this, even though it isn't found in the law of the Lord? And he would say, no, I'm going to wait on the mind of the Lord for this. The parents were probably coming. Now, my kids are asking, what's going to happen to this child? Because we need to know, Moses, unless you make up your mind, we don't know what to tell our own kids because this one kid did something our kids haven't done. But if they ever do that, there needs to be a precedent set for our children to know what to do. Even the children were probably coming and by talking to him through the other boy through the bars. And then they'd see Moses say, Moses, why don't you let him out? We know him. He's played with us before. We've had games together. All this pressure coming from different members of the, uh, you know, two million people that had come out of the land of Egypt 
And it comes back to this, how often have you acted quickly and too quickly and missed God? My greatest mistakes have come from acting too quickly. When we don't have an answer, we need to lock our problems away until we know what to do. Satan and people tell you to act now or you're going to miss God. When there's a voice that comes to you and say, if you don't act now, you're going to miss God. That is not God. God gives you plenty of time to hear him. Then he even gives you time after that to prove it. Lord, I want to make sure. I want to verify this. And so you'll wait for verification to come. Is this truly the word of the Lord? And God will give you plenty of time, but God will not give you something. And then the next voice says, if you don't act by you know six o'clock this evening, you're going to miss me. No, that's Satan that's pushing you in that direction. God gives you time to know his will, and on top of that, then to confirm it through outside things. But what is not written has to be waited on for the voice of the Holy Spirit. And that's where the word of God tells us we have need of patience, that after we have done the will of God, we might know exactly what to do. All of us come to times of darkness and we need guidance from the Lord. I will tell you ahead of time, of course, the Lord did speak to Moses as to what to do about that, but it came at the right time. And all I can say is once the thing comes, you'll find out, man, I didn't act too quickly. It came at just the right time. People think I have, people were pressuring me and members of your family, your wife, your husband, your kids, your relatives and all that might be pressing you to make some kind of decision. You might be in the middle of a lawsuit too, like I told you I was in the first half of this broadcast. And you might be getting pressure from everybody. You need to do something, you need to do something. The other side is building up a case against you. And what have you done? What are you gonna do? And with all that, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? You need to know you've heard from God. Wait on the mind of the Lord. Find yourself a jail cell. Stick your problem in there and close it until you know what to do. Isaiah 42 in verse 16 says this, I will bring the blind by a way they do not know. I will lead them in paths they have not known. I will make darkness light in front of them and crooked things straight. I will do these things for them and not forsake them. If you haven't heard from God, it's not because God has forgotten you, forsaken you, and suddenly one day remembers, oh, there's Bob back there. I forgot to tell him something. And come back there and find me stewing and sweating over all these things. No, he'll answer at the right time because he will never forget me and he will never forsake me. Moses acted correctly when confronted with an unknown situation. And guess what? Joshua must have been there too. He must have watched this going on. Joshua should have learned by this correct decision from Moses not to act too quickly. But Joshua did act too quickly. When Joshua got into the promised land and was about to face an unknown situation, a group of Gibeonites came to him. This is found in Joshua chapter 9, verse 15 through 26. And in that case, the Gibeonites came and they had on shoes that were all moldy and, and were falling apart and covered with dust and, and their clothes were dirty and they had empty bags of food and their, their, their canteens were empty. And he said, who are you? And they said, oh, we came. And they mentioned this distant country way off a long way. Said, we've come from here and we just want to make sure. The reason why we came here and we're a group coming from that country and from this city, are you going to attack us when you come there? And the first thing that happened was he went, no, no, we're, our, our, we're attacking these groups right here. We're going to take them over. We're not going to come and take you. And they said, oh, thank you. And they held out a sheet of paper and said, oh, by the way, would you sign this and say you're not going to do this? And he must have had a group of people around him, leadership from the different tribes that said, wait, 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 don't do this, Joshua. Don't sign this. Don't just, and Joshua said, these people wouldn't lie to me. They seem to be okay, all this. And he signed a treaty, not knowing these were the Gibeonites that lived just over the top of the hill. And when they rode the, about the next day, there was the Gibeonites and they held up this thing. You signed this thing. And you know what? I've thought about this before. Joshua had every right to say, you tricked me. 
And because you tricked me, my signature doesn't matter on this. And we're going to take you over anyway. But even though he had been tricked, he stuck to his word and didn't do that. And so gave them a break. And later on, they became, and we're told later on the word of God, hewers of wood and drawers of water. They gave themselves as servants to the nation of Israel because they kept them from being killed. God said, kill them because they're part of all these tribes that are here in the promised land. And I want them all killed. But because they tricked you and you fell for it, God respected what Joshua told them. And then they became servants unto them for many, many years to come. Again, this is found in Joshua chapter nine, verse 15 through 26. But Joshua didn't watch what Moses did. He should have. When this thing came along, he didn't have the mind of the Lord on. He should have said, I'm going to pray about this. I'm going to wait on the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit would have told him this is all a lie. He would have revealed their heart. And then that way, Joshua would have acted in line with the word of God, but he acted too quickly. Later, Joshua did what was right. In the next chapter, chapter 10 of Joshua, in verses 16 through 27, and that was when he was under attack and five armies came against them. He didn't know what to do with the kings. So he stuck them in a cave until he finished the battle. He must have remembered back to what uh, Moses had done with that jail cell. And so he took this cave and stuck the five kings in there after defeating their armies because he didn't know what to do with them. And finally, the mind of the Lord came to him and he hung all five of them out in public. And again, great things happened after that. So Joshua waited on the mind of the Lord. Second Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 12 says this, Oh God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great company that comes against us. Neither do we know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Man, does this sound familiar? Ever been surrounded and look like you are small and, the, and the, those around you are great? It simply says at the end of that verse of scripture, verse 12, neither do we know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Jehoshaphat told the Lord he expected guidance in a time he also did not know what to do. He and the people prayed to the Lord as armies came against them. They waited on their direction from their God, but God never led that way again. He may not in your lifetime lead you exactly the same way he did before, so don't quit making a pattern out of it. I don't need to wait on the Lord. I've run into this before. He told me what to do back there. No, every situation is different. God promises deliverance and guidance if we will just wait on him. Isaiah 30 and verse 21, your ears will hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. When you turn to the right hand and when you turn to the left, he says, when you come to an intersection, you don't know what to go right or left, wait on the mind of the Lord. The Lord will tell you which direction to turn. So in every situation, open yourself up before the Lord. There may be times that you get there, you already know ahead of time it's coming, but other times you're going to run into situations you don't know what to do. The waiting rooms of life can be difficult. Trying waiting on the Lord produces character, though, in the meantime. Psalm 27, verse 14, wait on the Lord and be encouraged, and he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Romans 5, 3, not only that, but we glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces patience. James 1, 3, the testing of your faith produces patience. This is what God wants. More than an answer to your problem, God wants your character to develop while you're waiting on the mind of the Lord. And so we find this over and over again. Let me give you some scriptures that you can look up for yourself. Acts chapter 6 verses 2 through 7, a multitude of people in the church brought leadership before them. And even though all the people said, we're proving them in front of you, the leaders of the church still prayed for them and waited on the mind of the Lord. And then they laid hands on them. So it even comes back to this, that even if a multitude around you said, this is a good decision, don't do it until you've heard from the Lord. And especially in the case like this, choosing leadership in the church, it all comes 
back to this. God wants to lead you, wants to guide you because you're his child. But next of all, the Holy Spirit will give you guidance. It may not be when you want it, but it will always be in the timing of God. Thanks for joining us today. I'll see you next time. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.